You are now locked in to Giants Amongst Us, where you're always going to hear real stories from real people. And after a short hiatus, we're back with another episode. And today, Chris is joining us, and he's got a story to tell. A college dropout who's had his bouts with anxiety, depression. He talks about navigating through his life trying to find purpose and a peace of mind and healing from the loss of loved ones. Chris shares his thoughts with us, struggles, pain, but also his passions and hope for the future. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's Chris and his story. Welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we got another one for you. And today I'm joined by Chris Chris, thank you for taking time out of the day. I know you could have been doing anything, could have been anywhere, still could have been sleeping, <laughs> but you put some time, some time aside to share with us. So I appreciate that. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me on, man. It's an honor. So Chris, um, let's talk a little bit about how it was for you growing up and uh, where you're from. Oh uh, man, I'm from Mississippi. I'm from a uh, like small. Small town, Clinton, Mississippi. So if you if you know, you know. Shout out to Clinton. Uh, but I kind of like a like a grandparent raising me thing. My great grandparent actually raised me. Uh, I stayed in the same okay. neighborhood as her, and uh, my mom and dad worked pretty much like full day shifts. So I was literally just dropped off at her house in the morning time and spent the whole day with her. And I'd go at home at night, but like my mm. great grandmother practically raised me, so I'm literally one of the oldest souls in my in my friend group. But um, my childhood, man, it's all over the place. Like it was great times, slightly traumatic times, but you don't know it's traumatic in that time because you're a child. But you grow up and you look back like, ah, shit, that was right, <laughs> I right. why I acted the way I acted. But yeah, man, it was pretty. Well, I think it was um, a somewhat normal childhood, but. Let other people tell it. Like I didn't talk much. I was very distant, all from you know, just from since a baby, you know. But okay, so you have no no brothers and no sisters. I have one stepbrother, but I grew up with him my whole life, and I just I, I never really even like it, it doesn't even click in my brain though. That's my stepbrother. So it, to me, it's like my full brother. He's uh he's six years older than me, and. That's like blood for you. Oh yeah, it's that he's he yeah, that man is a he's been almost like a father to me in certain points in my life. So yeah, me and him were like super close, but uh, yeah, me and him grew up with each other. And your parents the whole time, although you said you spent a lot of time with your your uh, your grandmother, but your parents were they were they together throughout your whole childhood? Absolutely, Married? they were okay. they were together and they were um. It was just, like I said, the work schedule. It's like I've rarely ever seen both of them, you know, together. <laughs> but I would, yeah, yeah. you know, I would notice them, you know, sometimes, at, you know, around nighttime, we'll be watching a TV show or a movie or like maybe if we go somewhere to get something to eat. Like now that I think about it, it's like I rarely seen my mom and dad like together as a couple. But you know, the older I got, the more I seen that. But uh, yeah, no, that was it was just work. 
Mm-hmm. That seems like a lot of like a, a lot, and it's and it's having to do with that the work schedule that um the the mother or the father they're either having to work a a double shift or just constantly working that it's the grandparents sometimes that are the ones spending a lot of time with you know with the children because of that reason. All right. You said in school you were you you were pretty much a loner in a way, right? You were doing your own thing, not really not really wanting to be around the crowd or Yeah, man. So like I said, like growing up, let my mom or anybody that spent a lot of time around me as a as a baby, I didn't talk to anybody other than my brother and my great grandma. Like literally. Like my my parents actually thought I was a mute until I was like four <laughs> years old. <laughs> They were concerned. They were trying to like get me to get tested. Trying to poke you in the belly or something. Does he talk? <laughs> yeah. And you know, one day I spoke to my um I spoke around my mom and her friend. And they're real close. They've been close since, you know, beginning. So like to me, that's like my aunt. But you know, in reality, it's just, you know, my mom friend, no relations. But she was around one day and I I guess I said my first words around her at like the age of five. And wow. <laughs> up until and then, you weren't saying anything. I guess not. And I do remember specifically like talking to my like when I was having conversations, I was only talking to my brother or my great grandma. I felt like I don't know for some reason, I guess they were the only ones to understand me. But yeah, man, I get when I said like my first words to my aunt, she literally like like gasped and jumped. And like I, I remember it. It was it's a core memory because like. It felt like I don't know. I just scared her for some reason, but you know that was the reason. I never really, I never really taught that much. So in school, I was the same way essentially, but like I never was. I wasn't. It's just it wasn't anything I was just trying to do. I guess it was just natural. I just you know never really spoke unless I was spoken to. So I didn't make a lot of friends, but I did have like the friends that I did make. It was really solid, solid, man. right? Genuine, some genuine friendships. Right, right. And I was also the type of person where um, I would, I could really blend in to like pretty much any, any room you threw me in or any table you put me in. You set me at the nerdy table, I was going to fit in. You set me at the table with the, the gang bangers, I was going to make them laugh. You set me at a table with all girls, I was going to make them be comfortable. Like it was, I had no problem blending in and being with people, but I just preferred not to. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's understandable. All through high school, same, same, um, pretty much the same yeah, way. Man. Yeah, high school it was it was the exact same way. I just I don't know. I felt like a a background character. I never really did too much, but um, I don't know, man. I was just you know just there, <laughs> pretty much. March, marching to your own drumbeat. Yeah, there's not there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's some people you know they they kind of they force it and you know, they're, they're being somebody they're not just to fit in. But I mean, you, you didn't have, it seems like you didn't have no problem just being who you are. And even if it means I'm going to play the background. Right. And I will say in high school, I did kind of slow up on, on social life. Um, even though like that was the most I ever did, obviously in high school, you do stuff with your friends. Like, you know, you drive around and you go places like movies and after eat, just, you know, uh, loitering in a lobby somewhere with your friends, you know, mm-hmm. just doing all types of dumb stuff. But in high school, I slowed down super, super fast on all the social stuff because that's when like reality set in. Like, oh man, now is the time where you really got to figure out what are you about to do in life. And 
I don't know, like jokes and all that, just joking around and, you know, being that same bubbly person I was like before I got to high school, it was not it. I was just like trying to focus and, you know, figure out what in the hell am I about to do in life? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to uh, try to figure it out. Like, am I going to go to college? Am I am I am I going to get straight into the the workforce after this? Or man, that's like the that's the main thing I do is pressure myself, and that's I am my worst enemy in that um, in that sense. Like, I just that that was the start. Like, eleventh grade in high school was the start of who I pretty much became now. Like, just super meek, you know out of pretty much everything i don't know it was 11th grade like i said it was the reality check to where shit next year i'm about to be a senior which means i really need a game plan i don't even know where i'm about to go to college at let alone what i'm about to major in so yeah that pressure was setting me in heavy and i i never i never was a good student in the sense of i never did what i was supposed to do but i had common sense i could understand right. what you're trying to teach me you know I, I just never did the homework i'll pass the test all day long but i don't know i just I, the principal of school didn't connect with me i never agreed with the reason to even go to school from a young age you know because in my mind they were judging fish on their ability to fly you know they yeah. never focused yeah. in on anybody strong so you have to be put in the box to learn this because we want you to learn this and and i knew i wasn't really learning stuff like i said I, i'll go and pass the test and do what um, homework for a little a little period of time but then if you really ask me what i knew about that stuff that i was passing over i literally couldn't tell you so it's like at that point i'm like i know i'm just remembering this stuff i'm not even learning it you know this stuff doesn't interest me it's not you know what i want to know so it's, it was just yeah, school was always tough for me, man. I, I hated every second of it. <laughs> did you did you end up graduating with with the the rest of your class? Oh yeah, the the only reason I graduated because, like I said, eleventh grade, everything it was a reality check, and I ended up going to summer school for eleventh grade and tenth grade year. Like I said, I was just oh, was that to catch up on credits? Uh yeah, like so when we had this system at our school to where um, if you do fail one class, then you'll have to probably just go to summer school and, and make up for that credit. And then, you know, you'll advance to the next grade. However, if you don't, then you would just, you know, regress and stay where you at. So I will always probably miss one or two classes in like 10th grade, 11th grade, um, ninth grade was like the only time I passed flying colors, but even eighth grade, seventh grade, like I had a summer school problem. <laughs> like I would always <laughs> literally just find myself in summer school. And I knew partly was because I knew that I was going to end up pa- passing summer school regardless. Like that wasn't, summer school wasn't going to be a problem. So I don't mind just fucking off for the whole school year just to end up in summer school, a little slap on the wrist. Here. Get it back. Right. Right. So that was one of my main problems. And uh, it had been it had been a problem, like I said, all the way till like 11th grade. But when 11th grade came around, I had just come from summer school. I'm like, bro, all right now, <laughs> no summer school, 12th grade year. We were walking across the stage. I have, like I said, my my uh, my family is just I don't know. I put a lot of pressure on myself and and, and with social anxiety comes with thinking about what other people think about you constantly over and over again. So 
I already knew I had the stigma of being pretty much a dumbass or a lazy ass or nobody who cares, you know. So I was like, man, I cannot let them be right about me not graduating. So that's not that wasn't going to happen. And on top of that, my mom threatened me with having to join the services uh, if I didn't graduate. And that was not an option for me. And, you know, I respect to everybody who do it. But, man, that is like, oh. Like probably a step, <laughs> or one little step above hell. I can't. <laughs> I can't yeah, it's see not for everybody, that, man. Nah. So uh, I got myself together real quick for that twelfth grade year, and I graduated. But I just still didn't have a plan. You know, I, I just did not know what college I was going to go to, or, nor what I was going to um major in. Did you get? Now I know you said you you're your own worst critic and you put a lot of pressure on yourself but now after you graduated high school did you get a lot of pressure from your parents like now what are you gonna do i mean you, you either start working or man i mean i i can literally feel the excitement and the the surprise from them even when i graduated it's like oh shit you okay right yeah. <laughs> they, they celebrate at least they celebrated with you in that and it wasn't just right away you know you you better start thinking about what you're doing next right right and, and I, I do want to say that my parents were were never the type to hearken down on that they are like i said uh growing up i didn't even spend a lot of time with them um they the pressure system i put more on me because i feel like they weren't putting enough on me so you know to them when i came home with bad grades they would always say chris you're too smart for this you know how to do what you're doing and you, you know, like there's no reason why you should be bring home the grades you bring it. So for them, they, I mean, it's kind of like they had way more expectations than, than I had on myself, but it, there was no pressure, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, or even though like they're telling me, you know, you're smarter than what you're showing. They weren't saying, you know, also, you know, figure out what you're going to do or, you know, they weren't even, putting me into extracurricular activities other than I played like some pop Warner football here and there. But, you know, it was, I feel like they had their own time to pretty much like still figure out whatever the hell they needed to figure out. Cause I don't think that, you know, that situation where I was born, <laughs> it was an ideal one. So I still think they were trying to like get their self together and, you know, figure things out for themselves rather than, you know, have all the time in the world to, you know, press on me and right. figure out what, what what I need to do and what I was going to do in school. Yeah. Could I, I, I want to take it back a little, a little bit, just because I'm curious, like you said, as a growing up, you, you pretty much were like a lone star, you know, you, you did your own thing. Now I was wondering during those times and the off times, like what, what did you, did, were there anything in particular that you involved yourself in any hobbies, like uh, listening to music, playing video games or, you know, or watching TV? So as a kid, I would spend all the time, like going outside was a reward. It was a token, man. Like going outside. Okay. So you enjoyed oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Like with the neighborhood kids, like I, like I said, as a kid, I wasn't like super just like, I'm, I'm about to, you know, sit to myself every time, every time and every chance I get, but. I knew like a long time was very, like very valuable. You know, I, I would have to have that mm -hmm. for myself um, or just, you know, like for instance, my great grandma, it was pretty much a daycare center. 
without it being a licensed daycare center. She was the sweet old lady in the neighborhood. And pretty much it was just a one-stop shop for everybody else's kids for when, you know, uh, they got to go to work, come home. And, you know, so pretty much when we got off the bus, instead of everybody going to their own house, it had like seven to eight kids coming right to my great grandma's house. So, uh, (laughs) Mm, okay. That was, yeah, man, that was a spot. So, uh, (laughs) but a lot of times, like I said, we'll go outside, but it was some days where I knew for a fact that I wasn't going to go outside at all. And my grandma, my great grandma, she would, show me a little bit of favoritism she would always like whisper to me you can go to my room and i would love to just go to her room and just sit down and her or, or lay down in her bed and watch like i love lucy tapes and i'll just be in there <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah my my grand oh when my grandmother was alive she used to love that show i love Absolute, lucy a gym a gym man uh-huh yeah that's a classic so yeah like that was like and i knew that wasn't really like at the age I was at, like I was probably like seven years old doing that. I knew that wasn't normal, you know. Where all the kids are in the front or outside, and I'm, you know, and she could tell. So like she kind of read my mood. She was like, "Yeah, he ain't feeling it today," and she'll always lean in and tell me, "You can go to my room." And I was the only kid, you know. I had cousins and just like you know neighborhood kids there, but I was the only one that could go to her room and just you know chill out. Right. Yeah. Some some alone time. It's funny that you said that and you already were were having that frame of mind so young because fast forward nowadays, uh, it it's already, I mean, it's a known fact that that alone quiet time with ourselves is essential to our health, mentally, physically, emotionally, spirit, any way you cut it, that's so important because now more than ever, it's like I was just I was talking to my wife about it. Like we're plugged in at all times. Never in never in the history of mankind have we always been plugged in at all times. We're we're check if we're not around a group of people physically, we still have our home or we have our phone at an arm's distance and then boom, let me see what they're doing. Hmm, what did they post? And so you're always plugged in and surrounding yourself. It's like you're putting yourself in the mix at all times. And it's so essential, I think, to have that alone time and that quiet time. Yeah, man. And and also just with the, just dealing with the world and what you got to do, like go to work. You're going to more than likely deal with the public. So you're, you're, right. you're constantly dealing with other people 24-7. Even if you're not online, you have to deal with family members and and, and 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 probably like you know cheer them up if they need cheering up or uh listen to their advice if they're wanting to give you advice so it's you're always dealing with other people's mind so it's just real important that you just sit down and and you're the only mind you got to deal with yeah that's true you think you think in your case how you said you were um i, I forget how you put it socially you said anxious or what, what was the how was the way you put it yeah, man, I think it's uh, I think I think I low key got social anxiety. Okay, you you think um, in your case, has it been a handicap or it's something that you kind of embraced and and not really use it to your advantage, but I mean, you you uh, you were able to navigate uh, with it. Um, I, I'm just curious as if you think it was more of a, a handicap or or not. That's real interesting. I say. 
in the beginning, I for sure thought it was a handicap. That was probably what what sparked my first depression, realizing how alone I really was. You know, like I said, you are constantly dealing with other people, but at the same time, it's certain thoughts you just sneak into like, man, they don't really understand what the fuck I'm going through. They mm-hmm. don't really know what I'm going through. And even if I try to explain it, they can only pretty much see it from their perspective. They're not going to fully understand my experience. So talking to people about my problems uh, was, it, it was almost not an option, you know, cause I tried it at first and it was like, man, I was just better off just fucking, you know, just wallowing in my own thoughts. Cause now hearing what they got to say, it's just like, I it's, it's the disconnection. You mm. know? They're not really understanding what I'm feeling. But, um, like I said, that first, that first spark of depression, it was all from just, you know, being in college, um, not having, first and foremost, man, I went to college, like probably like 15 minutes down the road from where I live. And it's not your ideal, uh, you know, college experience. You want to probably go off to a university somewhere, you know, most people, want to go far as home as possible <laughs> but like i said it seems like it yeah in school i was a i was a terrible student man i'm talking like one point something gpa so there was in there was nothing but community college options for me and uh, i chose a, a school called heinz community college in raymond mississippi and um there's really nothing out there but like trees and babies so also there was a a correctional center right across from the college so there one of their like main taglines of the college one of their mo's was if you do something messed up here you're going right across the street you're not going to juvie center you're not no you're going right to jail and i'm just like damn bro i I just want to get education (laughs) but um yeah it's i went down there and most of my friends went off to a university and then you did have a lot of people go to where I was at. That's when I realized, ah, we were in the same boat all along. You know, you were fucking off in school too, so now you're right where I'm at. Right where I'm at. <laughs> and um, but I didn't really have like much friends down there. Kind of have that resetting factory of like, damn, I gotta make friends all over again. You know, and it's kind of like in school, it's easy to do since it's you know common ground you're all in the same place it's easier to spark up a conversation like hey did you do the homework no nah, i ain't do that shit yeah oh cool you know boom we're friends you know but you know other than that like it was kind of like you know i did miss my 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 other friendships i did you know um had something going on with a young lady back in high school had to break that off because i knew she was gonna go to she ended up going to howard oh so that okay. was like you want to talk about a tale of two cities, like, man, I, I knew I wasn't going anywhere near her. So I was like, well, fuck it. I got to, you know, let that go because, like, there's no reason. Like, you Part should ways, huh? Right, right. But, uh, yeah, man, it was just like I was I was dealing with isolation. And then one of my best friends who ended up going to Heinz with me, he ended up having a, a, a girlfriend, like, right there in that time period. And they were super close. So, like, rather than, you know, him like you know spending some some time with me when i was just down and out lonely as fuck he'll be with his girl and i'm like you know i can't you know really be too upset about that but it's like reality sitting like damn 
This is life. Yeah. You gotta fucking you gotta find your way. And then the whole time going to these bullshit um general assessment classes because my ACT score was too low. So here I am just going through the motions and, and I just it was rough, man. I just that whole that whole experience with just not having friends, staying on this campus, you know, not really having nowhere to go. Um, on a whole different experience. I just, that was like my first little depression, but, uh, at first, not how long, having people. How, how long were you, were you in college when that happened? When you, when you started feeling the blues and it was like, man, this is really taking a toll on me. Almost like immediately, like that first week there, I was moving into, uh, into campus and I you know before moving into campus I had this whole plan of like okay I'm gonna room with my best friend that was going to to Heinz with me but you know like the housing it was so chaotic that it was like probably first come first serve or they didn't have the room set up to where you could be with who you want to be you had to mm-hmm. just write down your name and then they'll just you know put you in a room with whoever so that first week I was moving in, we were already in like me and my friend were in two different uh parts of the campus. Um and I ended up rooming with uh somebody that I it was a complete stranger to me. And that was already like scary. Like I didn't know mm-hmm. what to expect, you know. <laughs> because you can in a small quarters with a complete stranger. Oh man, you know, that's just I uh, I was thinking the worst. And it's like a it's like a coin flip, huh? You don't know if it's gonna be if it's gonna if it's gonna go or it'll be a complete no go. Right, right. So I was scared of the, I was scared of the the, the culture shock, and yeah, it was it was like week one. It was already you know going kind of bad because I was in classes, but it wasn't normal classes. Instead of like going from a class here, and then you go to another class, totally different people, totally different classmates. We all traveled to the same classes together, like just a tight knit group of like 13 people all going to the same class and for, for one semester. Oh, so every, okay. Every time the, the class cut out and you were going to the next one, you're all going in a, in a group to the next class. Yes, sir. That's that like was cattle, the, uh, the cattle being <laughs> stirred into the... <laughs> it was like the scarlet letter too. It's like everybody wow. knew that the students that were traveling together, those were the people that were taking general classes, the people who had low ACT scores because they just wanted to see like basically what do you know uh, and, and, you know, and, and get like a, a groundwork from there. So after you pass these classes, we could put you in whatever course you want to be in. So... And once yeah, that man, de- once terrible. that depression <laughs> hit, you really have no mind to even try to study and focus in on what you you should be focusing on. At least when it comes to uh, sitting in class. Yeah, man. I I remember one time specifically. That was my first time getting like blackout drunk. Cause, like I said, I'm only 15 minutes down the road from my house, and my mom used to be a, you know a bartender on the side, so she always had like this liquor cabinet. And one day, man, when I was going home to get my laundry, I snuck in that liquor cabinet. I was like, dude, I'm about to get something for one of my, <laughs> for a rainy day up there at Heinz because there's really nothing up there to do. So I snuck a, like a, a half filled water bottle of extra dry gin. Mm. And I came back on campus and on a, 
one of those random Fridays. I knew I wasn't going to be doing anything. I uh, I woke up in the morning and before I had to go to class, I ate like two taquitos, like the little, little mini rolled up tacos. And I drank that full half filled bottle of extra dry gin. Straight out the bottle. Man, straight out the bottle. And it was nasty. So I chased it with a little bit of cream soda. <laughs> and uh, oh, terrible combination, terrible decision. I went to class and uh, man, time started going so fast. And I you and still I went camp. you still went to class after that. Yeah, man. Oh. Like it was <laughs> it was like uh, you know, it was like you know, before you leave out the door and you probably have like an apple slice or whatever uh-huh. or a cup of coffee. That was like how I consumed that alcohol that day and I don't know. I was just bored, man. I don't know. I was bored, sad, just reckless. I don't know. And I ended up going to class and feeling pretty like started off good. Started off like a pretty good, you know, loose feeling. And then after so long, like time just started just blinking. And I felt like, for for instance, I put on a Young Thug album. I think it was Slime Season 2. And it's that's a fairly long album. And I swear to God, like I turned on song one and like ten seconds later, I was on the last song. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck is going on? So uh and then the like the only thing I could remember was I was leaving class and it was so many people around me and they was pointing their camera at me. And then like I brought like random people in my dorm. It was people playing my game. I'm just on the bed. Man, I was, uh, yeah, it was bad. So, yeah, I was doing some. Did you black out? You you don't really remember too much of what happened? That's exactly what I think happened, man. (laughs) I think I blacked out. Uh (laughs) Because, like I said, I just remember just certain, it's like I woke up and see, like, saw these different things. Like I said, like, I, yeah, one second I'm on track one, the next second I'm on track 30. Then the next thing I can remember was people around me with their cameras. Then the next thing I can remember was I'm on the ground by my closet while people are playing my game. They're playing Madden. And then I just remember me waking up and immediately having to go, you know, throw up or whatever. And I didn't have anything to throw up because I only had one taquito. So I had to drink water. to Dry heat. Oh, my goodness. It was. Yeah, man. I'm surprised. I mean, if you killed the whole I don't know how big that bottle was, but to get alcohol poisoning or something because that that dry gin is no joke yeah man that's gasoline yeah yeah i see that's the thing like I, I ever since then i've never been like on liquor i never really liked liquor specifically for that reason um and pretty much every time i did drink liquor it, it would always go south but i did learn that that dry gin is it's, it's potent it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not to be yeah. you know yeah treated lightly so yeah, that's flammable. Yeah, <laughs> you spit, you spit out fire. Yeah, man. So I was one like it was in it. It was only like you know just a regular like sixteen fluid ounce bottle, just halfway filled up. Mm-hmm. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. You said as far as as far as that goes with the alcohol, you really never been been much of a drinker. Nah, man. I uh, if I if I'm not incriminating myself, I do like marijuana. Uh-huh. <laughs> The good tree, the good herb. Um, and I've right. been on that since, like, the first time I smoked was 11th grade. And, you know, it's pretty, it, 11th grade, 
probably rings a bell in your head because, like I said, 11th grade was that year where reality set in. I was like, man. But, um, yeah, I first started in 11th grade because this whole well, it's a long story, but we're on a podcast, so I guess I got a little time to tell it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll make it as short as possible. Uh, 10th grade, our school was introduced with MacBooks. They tried to do the whole, um, you know, the electronic okay. route. Right. And it was a it was a learning curve for everybody, for teachers included. So, uh, you know, because this was new for everybody. Up to this point, we were just doing the old textbook way, like how, we, how the good God intended. But now we got to figure out how to do this whole MacBook thing. But it was a fairly easy learning process for the most part. 11th grade, however, you know, same system. We were on the MacBooks and I had this one teacher named Miss Godfrey. She was an English teacher and uh, she was like a pretty old school teacher in a sense. And um, like I told you, 11th grade, I told myself I was going to crack down. I was going to get right. And um, I wasn't going to bullshit because this was the year that was allegedly the hardest year in high school. Everybody said 10th grade is going to be whatever. 11th grade is going to be your hardest. And 12th grade year is going to be your easiest year by far. And so I told myself, like, I'm not going to summer school this year, man. I'm cracking down. I'm not I'm not going through that process like that shit is old. So we're going to do everything. We're going to we're going to do everything we're supposed to do. And um, I remember the first progress reports came out. And for the first time in like a long time, I felt so good, man. Uh, I remember always when progress report come out, I feel like shit. Report card come out, I feel like shit. And when any break came on Christmas, Thanksgiving, spring break, I would feel like shit because I know in the back of my mind, I got to go back to school and deal with these bum ass grades. But this time I felt excellent. No pressure, no anxiety, no worries. I was excited. Because I was like, dude, I can't wait to go home, show my parents. They don't even know I'm doing good in school. <laughs> so I get my progress support from every single teacher. Math, for the first time ever. B, science, A, history, A. All my classes, A's and B's. I get to English. I'm not sweating. I'm not fretting. I'm walking in proud like a peacock. And she hands me my progress report. And like for a second, I don't even look at it because like it was like the arrogance had set in. This is the last class of the day. And I was like, I don't even got to look at this. This is a, a clean A for sure, because I knew in English that was my strong suit. I hated math and I hated pretty much math. Is the only thing I hated. But English was the only English and history were the only two subjects I like literally loved. But I, I looked at that progress report and I had a 30 out of 100. You failed miserably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but something did not add up. That was like, it's like going to the grocery, or going to like your little gas station for a pack of gum, and that's all you're getting. You ring it up, and, and the, the cashier tells that'll be $109. And you're like, whoa, this is <laughs> completely out. There's a 100% of malfunction here. So right. that's how I felt. I'm like, okay. I walked up to the teacher immediately. I'm like, something is terribly wrong. You know, I'm looking at the progress report as I'm telling her this. And I'm like, there are zeros in places that shouldn't even have zeros. Like, here's a zero for a quiz right here. Like, how do you get a zero for a quiz when everybody does it? <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> she sent me back down to my desk because she had like, a lot of other people coming up to her 
another little side note, a little tidbit about her. She had a a plethora of students like complaining about her. She had this one student in particular. His name was Christian Trejo. Shout out to you, man. And his teacher, well, his mom was a teacher in like uh, elementary school at the time. So, you know, I, and I've been going to school with this guy for my whole life and he's had nothing but outstanding grades. He's been nothing but a like a, a principal list type student. Well, now Christian Trejo is like sitting in this woman's classroom crying because he now has an F. And it was this big deal because like, like I said, he was known as a scholar student. He was known as like, he's always going to pass. And like, he just started crying mm-hmm. and he, he failed. He had like an F in there. Like he had like a great, just as low as mine. And that's how it, everybody knew something was up. And basically she didn't know how to work the computers. She was the only teacher that like really didn't get the grasp of the computer. And, um, she was too prideful to admit that she didn't understand what was going on, but it was evident that she wasn't doing something right. We worked through this thing called canvas and, uh, you know, it's pretty much like this online course or whatever you do your work on there, you submit it online and it's pretty easy to keep track of what you did and what you didn't do. Whatever you did, you're going to have a green check mark by it. You can pull up exactly what you did when you press on the, you know, on the tab. So I'm up there and I'm showing her exactly, like I'm lining up all the assignments from where I got a zero on and I'm showing her on canvas to where I did it. And uh, she looked at me and she just shrugged her shoulders and was like, well, I didn't get it. And uh, at that point in time, man, I was just, I felt super defeated. There was literally nothing I could do because uh, on one side you got- And you pretty much- like everybody that was graded incorrectly by her, they they pretty much just had to take it. There was no, you know, we need to correct this. See, that's the thing. Uh, uh, it was a it was a couple people that weeded through the cracks, like Christian Trejo. That's why I brought him up. He only got out of her class. What I think my theory is because his mom is a teacher that teaches in the, she teaches in the same district but like only for elementary school or whatever. So she, she doesn't teach in the same like school, but you know, she, she teaches for the same district or whatever. Right. And I feel like she had enough pool to, you know, get them out of class. Uh, yeah. Especially when schedules were set, it was going to be hard to, you know, get students out of uh, like, and that really wasn't, you know, that's not like a, a normal request to like change classes unless it's like, you know, you're in the beginning of the school year and you and there's been a genuine mistake in the scheduling and you have to change classes. But other than that, it was like nobody really changed classes like that. And this was the first time that anybody could remember that like so many students wanted to change classes and it was all stemmed from her class. And he got out and a couple other students got out and, um, you know, with their testimonies or whatever, because a lot of kids did come back up there at the school with their parents and they were like genuinely upset. You know, it's probably the same situation that happened to me. they got, they got good grades all across the board. And here's the one class they're just, you know, terrible in on paper, you know, it's like, it doesn't add up. So they they came back with their parents and they made their testimonies or whatever. And some people did get out, but in my situation, I've been a terrible student all my life. <laughs> I've had a bad rep with uh, the merits and detentions. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't qualify to be one of those lucky people to afford the luxury to getting out of her class. Mm. So mm-hmm. throw that on top of the fact that my story wouldn't be believable anyway. Even though you line my product supports up, you would see that okay, yeah, I wouldn't I can understand why somebody would fail one subject, but at the same time, like look at it just didn't line up, you know? Like I had A's and B's all across the board. This is my one class that I wasn't passing in. And I knew that I didn't have enough, like I didn't have enough leverage for people to believe me that this is a genuine mistake from the teacher. You know, it was a classic, my word against theirs. And they were going to believe, you know, the teachers regardless. So I was fucked from the get go. And that's when it just set in. Like, it was like, wow, there's literally nothing I could do. I'm going to have to go back to summer school <laughs> and uh, it's going to look real bad on me. But, you know, it, it is what it is. So and I remember um, I had a friend. Like, I had a lot of associates in school. Like I said, I really wasn't just the guy to, you know, just put myself out there but i had like a lot of associates and one of my associates he he always and he was smoking since ninth grade and he always came up to me that would be like the one and only thing he would ask me and say to me if he did say something to me would be like hey man you trying to smoke and i would always turn it down because it's like no i think i'm I'm living like (laughs) i'm a child i don't need to you know but like i remember like that like it was probably like a day prior or that day he asked me that and I told him, yeah, man, today's the day. You know, it was lined up. My parents were going somewhere. I had the time and space, and I tried it out. And it was just one of those feelings where it's like, wow, this is, I can I can understand the, the appeal to this. But uh, I stopped. You know, I, I wasn't smoking throughout 11th grade year and 12th grade year. I only smoked my first blunt in, in the 11th grade time, and that was it. I was done. And I picked it back up in college once I was, you know, um, f- fighting my battle against depression and loneliness and, and um, found out liquor was not the move. Yeah. So I picked up weed right there um, after that uh, alcohol incident. So would, would, is it safe to say all through college you were you were battling depression? All throughout college, man. All throughout college. Because it was... Not only the, the the lonely part, but just like, man, what am I going to do? You know, I still didn't understand what I was going to do in life as a career. So mm. I was still just battling, like trying to figure out me, you know, like, and what do I like to do? What would I do on this earth if money didn't exist? And I just couldn't find the answer for the longest. So it was, it, it sounds like it more than anything it was the pressure you were putting on yourself about what, yeah, like you said, pretty much what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I know, you know, because especially, I don't know for you, but I know for me, when I was younger, even now, I was like, there's some people, they seem to know what they were going to do at six, seven years old, and they stuck to it, and right. they, they followed through with it. But then again, a lot of us are, I mean, everybody is different, and there's a lot of a lot of people, I think a big majority 18, 19, you're still fairly young. It's like, how do you expect somebody to know what they want to do and stick to it for the rest of their life? There's some people my age, 40, in the 50s, and they're still trying to figure it out. But it sounds like for you, you were putting a whole lot of pressure on that. More than anybody else putting pressure on you, it was you putting that pressure on yourself? Right. 
And that was that was the thing that I was scared of. That was the thing I was aware of is that a career is something you're going to have to do for the rest of your life, whether some people and that's what I look at in life. I look at people just, you know, tolerating what they do yes. for a living. Amen. And it's just like, you know, I don't want to be in a position to where I'm waking up, getting ready for work and I and I'm battling mm-hmm. getting out of that bed and I'm not even tired. It's just that I do not want to go do what I've been doing for the past, you know, so on and so on. And I know me as a person, I just if I don't love it, if I'm not into it, I'm completely out of it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't care what benefits are attached to it, what advantages it gives me. If I don't if I if I don't love it, if I'm not passionate about it, I can't do it. And um, mm-hmm. after uh, my little semester in college, after doing the general classes, I was able to pick what I was going to go do. And um, I ended up picking nutrition, you know, some general like that, because, you know, at the end of the day, I think I, I thought I could be passionate about food putting the right things in your body, you know, uh, yes. uh, for those of, or people who are sick with or diabetes or coming off of, uh, chemo or anything like that to where they have to have certain foods. I was, I think I thought that I was going to be able to make a, a food plan for them or do anything of that in the source. But then I had to, uh, transfer to the Jackson campus, which is still in the States. Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. it's a capital. And the Jackson campus was way, way downgraded than the uh, the Raymond campus. And the Raymond campus was nothing special. So the Jackson campus was like a whole nother set of feeling of like, man, I'm not doing this life thing right when I went down there. Um, so you took a step and, down. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Because uh, the only reason I had to go transfer campus because um, – I picked nutrition and they didn't have any classes on that campus. They didn't offer any on the Raymond one. So, um, yeah, I ended up transferring campuses and then I was finally like, finally like on my own, on my own. All the people that I knew were at Raymond campus. Now I'm at the Jackson campus. There's nobody that I know here, you know? So it was like, I complete at that point in time, it was, I was almost, you know, starting to accept the isolation. I know you asked me, you know, um, did you find it as a handicap or, or, you know, an advantage at, at the start, it was definitely a handicap. And, and, and the more I progressed, I use it as an advantage. Like, you know, for example, a long time, you could use some yes. good alone time. Now for, I've recorded a podcast in my alone time. I'll start working on my music in my alone time and that isolation where nobody's, reaching out to you, talking to you, and you have your 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 own thoughts and your own mind just completely isolated, it's special because that's when the creativity starts flowing out and that's when you're comfortable and that's when you don't have to, you know, worry about being a chameleon. Like I said, I naturally blended in in all these areas no matter where. And it's always like I put on a face. I put on a, a good face anywhere I go, but when I'm by myself, I can be me a hundred percent. And that's like the most pure I feel. That's mm. the best that I feel. So now in life, it's 100% to my advantage. But uh, I started to feel that when I was at the Jackson campus and I was totally alone, didn't have nobody to reach out and do anything with, 
you know, all my other friends started making other friends. So they were in the tight knit group and I didn't want to force myself into that. So after a while, man, um, I just started putting my nose in the books and there was nothing else to do. So I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing, you know, in 11th grade, 12th grade year, just start just focusing on books, reading on my downtime, what I don't understand and doing homework early, if, whether if it's due from a month from now, I'm going to go home and do as much as I can now. And I'm probably going to knock this out like this weekend. Like I started to become a real mm. student. And at that time on the Jackson, the Jackson campus, I ended up reaching a 4.0 GPA. Wow, I just started getting nothing but 80. <laughs> complete 180, man. So yeah, it was it was a wild journey. And um I ended up not loving the the major I was doing. I ended up like being checked out of the whole nutrition thing because it was just I don't know, man. Maybe it was the way I was receiving the information, or maybe it was the classes that I had to take. But like the biology and the chemistry and the labs, it was, man, it was just mentally exhausting. It was just, you know, I could do the work. I was passing, but it was just like, I was just checked out. So I'd be in class, but I'd just be sitting there. And you know what I'm saying? I'd just be, you know, because I know I can go home and read the book and take my own notes. We were just essentially reading out of the book in class. So I'd be in class just, just sitting there. And, you know, probably just staring off in the space. Yeah, zoning out. Yeah, and my teacher actually pulled me to the side and he, he explained to me. He said, listen, I can tell, man, your your heart's not in it. And, uh, you know, regardless of your grades, it's just I don't think it would be the right thing for you to do if, to carry on, you know, with this if this isn't what you want to do. So. Oh, that's, that's good. I, I'm just happy to hear that there are teachers that see that in students. Right, right. I mean, because it seems like at least he was paying attention to the people in front of him, the students, and he was seeing whether somebody is in it or not. And then you can at least kind of like he did to you, hip him and say, you know, this you you might want to try something else, even though I see that you're you're succeeding and you're you're passing the class. But I had to step in and say that just because that's cool that there are actually teachers that that notice that. And um, yeah, that that's respectable. Yeah, man. So I, I man, to this day, I appreciate him like to uh, to a degree. I can't even, I mean, words can't explain how much I appreciated him for that because that did um, transition me to just another stage in my life, to where um, at that point when he told me that I um I had some information that they were adding a class to the curriculum. So even though I was on pace to graduate. Um, that May of that year, I had my graduation date set back because I had another class to complete. And uh, that. How long were you in college up uh, at that point? At that point, it had been about four years. I did. Okay. Uh, two oh, years. So you were almost done with your nutrition class then. Exactly. Exactly. It was. Wow. Uh, the first year was just general classes. And then the second year, I ended up trying something else. And. And I changed my major from that. And then, uh, you know, the last year I was trying to get my associates and, you know, the nutrition thing. So, um, man, but I got to say, I really dig the fact that you, even though you were so close to it, because it wasn't something that you were passionate about, you didn't have any, any, um, 
there was there was no joy. There was nothing to to go ahead and pursue that. Even though, never mind, you're already halfway done. You pulled away and said, "This isn't for me." Right, man. And like you said, that decision to, you know, pull out of whatever I was, you know, so close to doing. Like I said, graduation, graduating college, let alone, I, I never thought was just possible. You know, but uh, especially for me. Uh, but at that moment, it was like, I think. It was the it was the first time where I knew what I wanted to do, so I told myself. I asked myself, "What would you do if money didn't exist? What would you be the best at? What would you see yourself waking up excited to do every single day?" And the answer that I landed on was helping people. You know, talking to people, being a therapist in a sense, being like a counselor, or being in that field of psychology. So that's exactly what I set it out to do. And um, instead of just waiting it out, taking that last class, I ended up transferring to uh, to the University of Alabama at Birmingham. It was, like I said, right before I graduated. So it was either graduate or just go ahead and transfer and go to a university out of state, which is something that I never, never thought that I would ever do. So I was like, man, I'm taking this chance. I'm doing that. I'm going out of state, man. And uh You were really, really stepping out your comfort zone. Yeah, man. It was it was like those two decisions back to back, it was it was liberating. That's the word. Cause like I said, the decision to just go ahead and say, you know what? I'm not gonna walk across the stage, I'm not gonna graduate just to say I got my associates or whatever, and you know, make my nana, make my mom, make all these people proud. I was saying, you know what, let me just go ahead and switch over to UAB. And uh, like you said, going out of state, going, you know, completely off the And then you have to probably take, now Now you're on a different course, so you probably tacked on some time to your, your uh, education, right? You're going to have to pick up some new courses and learn um, something new. Exactly, exactly. But with this, I was super confident in because, like I said, this was something that I, I, I figured would be my niche in life like i can i can navigate through all these classes pretty easily when it's something that i want to hear mm-hmm. when it's something that I, i'm interested in you know i was i was i thought i was doing a pretty decent job at you know passing with some classes that i absolutely dreaded so i was looking forward to going with something that would that piqued my interest i mean this was the first time ever in life i was excited about school so oh that had to know, be a good feeling in itself just that <laughs> Man, that, that was, I was riding a super. I feel like I'm born and... again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like I'm a whole different person, you know. But uh, yeah, man, it was a lot of that. That and, and that point of life, man, that was like this is a real big pivotal part in life because things did not go exactly as expected. Um, so I went down there in school. I'm going to throw a little bit another side note out there, a little tidbit. My father, like I said, me and him, me and his relationship wasn't like the best. We weren't really close at all. And, uh, you know, he was only here and there. He was a truck driver in the first part of his life. And then um, around the time when I was in like high school, he switched over to like a, um, a construction job. So, um, you know, like we were never the closest, mm-hmm. but over time, we start to spend a little bit more time with each other. 
with each other. And the thing that drew us together, the thing that bonded us, you would never expect was weed. <laughs> my family, my it's it, another little tidbit. We all have our vices and our in our, you know, on our tools of of of, of whatever to fix those it's like pick your poison yeah man so it's actually crazy that like on my mom's side they are borderline alcoholics man i mean they have no problem with with liquor you know they can hold it very well handle it very well and that's their you know like anytime there's a family gathering you can almost bet some the whole house is going to be drunk almost Mm -hmm. well the women's side the male side Literally every male in my family, with the exclusion of my brother and probably like two other people that I can't think of, smokes weed. It is like a and looking at their looking at like the backgrounds of what they went through now that I'm older and I can hear the stories that my mom tells about my cousins and hear the story that my grandma tells about uh, you know, my uncles and we had a lot of trauma in our family and a lot of those guys, a lot of the men in my family had trauma at a young age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so them smoking weed, it was, it, it made sense to me the older I got, you know, I was always surrounded by it when I was younger. Cause it was, and I just thought it was like, I thought weed was pretty much like another black and mild, you know, it was mm-hmm. that common to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and, uh, my father, he was always, you know, smoking weed and even dabbled into selling it here and there. And um, he just, his childhood, hearing the background story to his childhood, it only makes all the sense in the world. Because my, my father was actually adopted because his mother left him. <laughs> so he he knew, he, it was like she left him as a baby. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. As a, she went to her sister's house, and the story that I know, to my knowledge, is that she went in there, threw the baby on the couch, and said, "Here, y'all." Never can have came it. back. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's cold bloody. Yeah, man. So my dad, he and he also didn't really grow up with the father figure as well. It was just a house, a house full of women, but um, it was him, um, his aunt, well, turned out to be his mom his adopted mother, um, and all his, um, her children, which were girls, and he was surrounded by women, and he just, you know, he grew up in that, in that way, in that lifestyle, and, but, um, you know, he was pretty much the man of the house, so he was the man of the house at, like, super early age, and, um, growing up, like I said, me and my dad never really talked, and I thought, you know, growing up, it was just because, you know, I, I, I never really knew why we didn't talk, but, now I see it's like, well, growing up, what he he didn't really have a father to mm-hmm. correlate the relationship that we have with each other to to build off that. You know, um, I know some people could look at a situation and turn it into something else, but in his case, it was just like he only he just did what he knew, and uh, yeah. And uh, we never really, like I said, we never really spoke or anything like that. But uh, 
So it was just like, I don't know. I need, there was no emotions with my dad. There was like no feelings for him. I remember telling myself, and like super, like I wasn't super young. I was probably like 12 at this point. Uh, he actually had like an accident. It was a malfunction of the, with the car. And he went up the, uh, he went up the road. He pressed on brakes and it accelerated. And he ended up like, you know, raking in the ditch or whatever. And I remember like, I was in the neighborhood when it happened. I was outside when it happened. And, uh, they had just, somebody was coming back down from the, uh, from the hill. And it was like, Carlos just got into a wreck. And I remember hearing that and literally not feeling anything. And I was and in my mind. I was like, man, mm -hmm. if my dad died, I don't think I would feel anything, but he didn't end up dying right there. <laughs> he was, it was all good. He just had like a little, um, you know, uh, bruised hip or whatever, some minor, minor shit. But like at that point, like I said, when I said that, it was like it was a total disconnect at that point. Right. It was like that's when I, that's when I, when reality set in. Like, damn, I don't think me and my dad are like close at all. You know, that was like I was twelve years old. So it was like, you know, it sinked in. Like, damn, I don't have a normal relationship with my pop. So um, you know, fast forward later in life, I'm around like 18 19 and this is when i'm in college i'm smoking weed at this point and uh his son like my 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 stepbrother that i referred to as my real brother like my full functioning blood brother yeah that's my mom's son but my dad also has a son um and that's my other brother and um he ended up playing football he, he was real decent in high school, so they had scouts looking for him, like Jackson State and um, Alcorn. And I remember he got invited to an Alcorn game one time, and my dad wanted me to go with them. And we uh, we took my, my granddad, too. So it was just like a, pretty much like a little a bonding meal trip, basically, or whatever. First time <laughs> pretty much in life that, you know, I had this combination of my dad and my granddad. And my brother so we're at the Alcorn game you know and this is for him we're just you know getting used to the stadium this that and the third and on the way back home now at this point in life I got it I'm pretty much addicted to weed to to the point where before like social events I would have to smoke at least one blunt to just you know mm -hmm. calm myself down and just you know get ready to be an element of other people so right I ended up smoking before I went. And like I said, my dad been dealing with weed his whole life. So I don't even know why or how I could even get this past him. But I also wasn't really worried about getting caught by him since, like I said, he smoked weed. His, he smoked weed himself. So there wasn't too much he could chastise me on if he did catch me. So I was really more loosely, you know, I was more loose with it around him than I was with my mom at that point in life. But, um, yeah, man, I remember smoking before we had to go. It was going to be a long trip, probably about, like, 50 minutes down the road. So I ended up smoking before I went. We took the trip. And on the way back, he uh, everybody is asleep. It's just me and him. I'm on the passenger. He's driving. He said he just leaned over, and he was like, listen, man, if you need to smoke something, just get something from me. I don't want you getting there from anybody else because it's it, – I don't know what these people be smoking on these days. It could be anything, you know. And uh, 
And I just remember looking over like, how do you know I smoke? And he just was like, dude, come on, man. I've been smoking my whole life. And at that point, it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, that we got home that night and I was taking the trash out. Usually he's outside chiefing on his blunt, you know, on the phone or whatever. But uh, this time I took the garbage out. And before I went back inside, he waved towards me. And he, you know, I sat down with him. I smoked a blunt with him. And we literally bonded over a, <laughs> we bonded over a blunt, man. And That was like the icebreaker right there. Yeah. Yeah. That was literally the icebreaker. And it's so, years later. Years. Like, I'm talking about, like, this was, like, I'm pretty much an adult now. Like, I'm 18, 19. I'm able to make decisions on my own. I'm driving. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm. I'm, you know, I'm finally molded into myself. You know, I got my own opinions, my own ways. And he's just pretty much now looking at the product of what he made. You know, this is like the man that he made, essentially. So we're talking and like we talk, we talked every day, every single day, every night he'd come home from his shift for work. It'd be like probably like 11 or 12 o'clock. And uh, I'm waiting on him to come home so we can go smoke and just talk. Like I said, at that point in life, also I ain't had no friends at all. Most of my friends were only doing their own, doing their own thing, and or you know, in their own friend group or whatever. Yeah. So man, that was literally my dad became my best friend, like toward the end of my life. Wow. Or not in, or the end of his, but like, yeah. at like eighteen, nineteen, it was just like man, that was that's all we did. We smoked and talked, smoked and talked, and then after a while. Like his tasks that he'll do that he normally just like growing up, he'll just disappear, just you know, walk out the house and do whatever. But now he started bringing me with him, and I see that he'll just be going and doing stuff for his mom and or his sister. He'll be running off the hands of hers, you know, doing like you know, like you know, handyman tasks okay. for them or whatever. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, and uh, we started doing all that. We even started going to the gym with each other. Um, and our neighbor, like we started doing everything with each other. And then, like I said, I went off to college at UAB. And uh, that was my first time moving away from home. And um, probably about like literally three months into going to classes, three months while I'm at UAB. I'm talking about I just figured, trying to, I mean, I figured everything out, well, figuring everything out, still trying to, you know, make my way around campus and, make my way around the city, you know, learn everything. You know, I, I, I'm just now trying to figure all this stuff out. And uh, the last conversation we had, because I remember we he, he came down not too long ago to, like, move in some furniture for us. And, uh, you know, he went back home. A day later, we had a conversation because he looked tired. He looked gassed. And then... Uh, I was like, man, you need to drink at least about, uh, just drink about five bottles of water for me. Cause he was like, you know, you know, black men, older black men, especially the diet part is not right for them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like, or it's, well, I could speak for at least my household. My mom made pork chops a lot. It was uh, drinks around the house uh, as far as like Coca-Cola, Sprites or whatever, uh, sweet tea. You know, uh, just uh, uh, an abundance of what your body doesn't need. You know, right? And he's been eating like that for his whole life. And uh, and uh, I remember 
it, we had like a break while I was at UAB. I'm not sure which break it was. It's been a blur. And uh, that's when he had his first, and I, and I now know it had to be an heart attack. He thought it was gas. Mm -hmm. uh, he said he had like a Subway sandwich and it was something wrong with the sandwich and maybe, you know, it's just gas or whatever. So um, he was feeling like real discomfort and pain. And I ain't never really seen him like that. So I'm like, you know, I'm seeing him sweat. I'm seeing him like hunched over, just trying to catch his breath. I'm like, man, here, take some Tums, get a drink, a bottle of water. And we need to get you to the hospital. But that male pride kicked in. He's like, nah, nah, it's just gas, you know. It's just gay. I'm good. I'm good. Cause after he took the tums, he had like a long burp. He was like, "Yeah, that's that was that, that. That's the gas right there. I'm good. I'm good." Yeah. And uh, you know, me and my mom looking at him like, "Bro, please just go to the hospital. Like this isn't. You know what I'm saying? Like this ain't this ain't normal." And then he was like, "No, I'm good. I'm good." Uh, you know, man, he slept it off, and uh, you know, that's when I uh, like probably like a day later, I went back down to uh, Alabama. Like I said, it's been like a week up to that point or probably like two. It's been a blur. But like I said, that was like the last conversation I had with them. It's like, I was like, hey, man, make sure you keep drinking your water. Uh, you know, keep on mm -hmm. your exercise, all this, that. It's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then, yeah, like it was probably, it was like a day or two after that. I had um, a call from, from one of my other brothers down there. He had like five children by himself you know before he had one but uh one of my other brothers called me down from uh hazelhurst he was like you know pop gone and oh, i was like uh, yeah and i did the shock was like literally i mean you would talk about shock i just like all right man, I'm, I'm gonna call you back and i hung up and i was on my way to walmart anyway to uh make a money order so i could pay rent yeah so i'm in walmart <laughs> where usually it's like a like a like a five minute run, I just walk right up to the counter, get my money order, and I'm on out of there. I'm in Walmart, and I'm just like literally just walking around, just walking. In a daze, huh? And uh, yeah, I mean it's just like I'm telling myself like I'm literally saying out loud. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. And I'm just walking around, just walking around Walmart, and then like I'm getting uh, buzzes on my phone. And one of my cousins, who I don't even see a lot, you know, I don't talk to her much, you know, since, you know, we've been growing up or whatever. She asked me, you know, I just seen a message from her, like, are you okay? And that's when I knew I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's over. <laughs> you know, I was like, he gone. So, uh, yeah, man, it was it was like a super big shock. Like it was. And I, I, I know even now. I definitely still like am somewhat grieving. Because, you know, I don't, I know, I, I got to be self-aware about it. I know for a fact I'm terrible with, you yeah. know, expressing my emotions and, you know, uh, you know, trying to, you know, get all the the right emotions out. And, you know, I don't know why. But it's how just how like, long ago was this? Is that exactly? This was, it's, and that's another thing. It's like the trauma has made all the memory just disappear. But. I want to say this was like 2019. That's fairly recent. Yeah. That's fairly recent. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even look at the, uh, the obituary or nothing like that. So I'm, like I said, yeah. I'm not even sure 
like the exact date when it happened, you know, like the, the trauma is completely trying to wipe the memory away. But uh, yeah, man, it's. But isn't isn't that something how for whatever reason before that happened and you said for the early early part of your years you had no relationship but those last years you guys just bam you you really bonded yep yep that was exactly it that was the that was like probably like the i don't know like i've and i always had like this weird look on life like i've had bad luck i always told myself man i got bad luck and it's like this running joke with me and my you know my my close brother like he has some of the best luck and I have some of the worst luck, <laughs> but like we always compare like these things that happen, but like, I'll, it just seems like I always catch bad breaks. Like with the case, the, the, the 11th grade situation where first time in a long time, I'm finally passing the school. And now the time that I'm passing the school, I'm dealing with a teacher that is making mistakes on her end. And now mm-hmm. it's affecting me, but I can't, explain to people that it's actually the teacher making a mistake because up to my whole life I've been making bad grades so it's just like things like right. that you know but uh I've always been catching bad breaks or whatever but uh at that specific time like I said I was still in school still figuring stuff out and I you know when it happened I was still at school and uh it was the weekend approaching. I think it was like a, maybe even a Thursday when it happened or something like that. So the weekend was already approaching. And uh, I went down there for the weekend and I came right back home. And I knew that the, the, the funeral was going to be next week or whatever. But I tried to go to class like immediately. You know, I tried to go right back to class like, you know, everything was pretty normal. And I remember sitting in class, like a full session in class. And it almost felt exactly like how it felt when I was in class drunk off the extra dry gin. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like time was it. just eating away. Time was just moving so quick, so fast. Like I was not able to process anything that was going on. And it was like, yo, this is, I don't even know what's going on, bro. Like I can't even, I can't, I literally can't focus. And I was trying my hardest to focus. And I was like, yeah, I just got to, I'm just going to go back home. And at that point, you know, like I said, my mom was by herself pretty much. And I knew she needed me. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to just head back home for a little bit. And, you know, yeah. that little bit turned to a lot. <laughs> I just never went back to Alabama when it happened. Because, like, at a certain point, it had been like a week or two. And um, I didn't even tell the dean what happened. I didn't tell anybody what happened. The only the only way they knew that uh, that something happened to my father was because I was going to school with my, my brother that was playing football at the time. He ended up going to UAB off a scholarship. So we ended up actually going down there together and we being, we ended up being roommates. And, um, yeah. So I think that's the only reason they knew that, you know, I was gone for a minute because we both have the same last name. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, they knew, you know, he was out for a reason and, I had to be out for some reason. And I and I recently, not too long ago, went back and looked at my, my records online or whatever, and I have an exemption, you know, from, uh, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can definitely, you know, work if something out. If you ever out. decide to pick it back up. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, like I said, I just, I went back home, and then, like, I just, I just stayed there for the most part. Like, I wanted to be around my mom as much as possible. Um, 
you know, I stayed for the funeral and stuff. And then after that, it was just like, excuse me, I can't go back to class. Like, even mm-hmm. if I wanted to, I just can't focus for right now. So I'm just going to take a little break if I, you know, for the time being until my brain is finally processing again. But until then, I just, yeah, it was, yeah. That's a that's a heavy, heavy situation. How was your, how's your mom holding up, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, man, everybody deals with grief, like, in such a weird way, you know? Like, it's not even a way to pinpoint, like, some people deal with it, like, um, they they move on quickly or some people deal with it. Like, it's just it's so yeah. weird. So mm-hmm. I'm not even, I'm still not even able to gauge on um, how she's dealing with it. But from my perspective, it seems like she wants to pretty much just start from a new place. Because um, I, I learned later on in life that their relationship really wasn't the best by standards of a, a normal marriage, you know, mm-hmm. it was one of those situations to where they, they, they made the best out of their situation for me and they didn't want any, you know, any type of disruption from whatever they got going on affecting me. But, uh, I do remember one part in my life where it was around eighth grade where, um, it was a weird time. Like we ended up moving out of our house and I didn't, you know, at that point I was, like 11 12 so i didn't know like ins and outs of what was going on i just knew we were ended up moving and uh we didn't have a concrete place to stay at the time so me and my mom ended up going to live with my aunt and my brother who i've been living with my whole life he was in college at that time he was at uh, tougaloo college living on campus so uh it was just me and my mom and my dad at the time, he ended up moving with uh, his cousin. So that was the first time they were separated. Separated, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that was around a time where, like, I'm just picking up on certain context clues and putting the pieces together for myself. Like, oh, this, they're not really rocking with each other like that. You know, they're just trying, they're trying to maintain everything for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but at their own demise. So, yeah. It was just one of those situations. And then I, I know ninth grade, when we finally moved out of my aunt house, it was just me and my mom for a little minute. Um, and it was just me and her in like this little two bedroom apartment, just, you know, just making do with what we had. And then probably, I want to say a year into us being there, that's when my, when, when our dad came back. And uh, yeah, yeah, I remember... I remember at that point in life, I was pissed off at him. I was like, you son of a bitch. Why would you come back now? I had things handled. I was ready to be the man of the house at, uh, you know, around the ninth grade year when it was just me and my mom. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I was like, you know, you already, you you had your shit going on. You could just kept doing what you did, you know. Stayed so that's place. how I felt. Right. That's exactly how I felt at that point in life. So, you know, so before it was the, uh, right after it was like, the, I don't have any feelings for you. It was, it was low key, like, man, fuck you mm-hmm. <laughs> after that point in life. And then, um, you know, the rest is history, but yeah, man. To be losing someone that close, that, that fairly recent. And, and how about for you? Have you found anything to kind of help you along the way with your, with your healing and, and, um, and dealing with it? So. I remember the very first thing 
that I noticed myself doing to cope with things was um, listening to music. For instance, the 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 college year where I first found depression, well, depression found me, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, are you familiar with Earl Sweatshirt? Yeah, yeah, I know who he is. Man, he has this like ten minute song called Solace, and it's like a compilation of instrumentals and it's almost like just a, a form of poetry in some bars. And it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's like, it's therapy music. It's like healing music. You can hear them battling something and then trying to heal, finding solace and whatever he's going through at that time. So, you know, throughout that whole 10 minutes of the song, you can, you know, pinpoint from where he's feeling, you know, at his worst to where he's trying to find his way. And I remember when I was like super lonely, terribly down, didn't have nothing to do. I would go to sleep, damn near like literally crying to that song and just fall asleep to it. And that's like that was like it would be on repeat, on repeat until I fall asleep. And that would be my like that was like my first way of like coping through anything. And I remember like you know, whenever he passed away, it was just a lot of instrumentals playing in my head, a lot of like just soft, somber music. And you know, it, it was like I wanted to listen to Solace again, but like in another way, like from me, essentially. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much what I landed on. And um, at that point, I had my MacBook for school because my mom ended up giving me a MacBook because I was in class down in Alabama without a, without a computer. And we was in we was in English and I had to leave the class because they were taking the test and I didn't have a computer. I had to go to the library. And I was like, yeah, this ain't the move. I got to get a computer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I ended up having that computer. You know, I went right back to the good old trusty garage band. Same thing, circle back to when we first had MacBooks. And, and it all, it led back to music, man. It just led back to me wanting to just like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, with, with that, with that whole incident, it's like you already have your mind racing you know, 24 seven all throughout the day about all these different things. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a victim of being in my own head anyway. And I'm, I'm a bit of an overthinker. So I'll have to do certain times where I just have to just either go sit in a room by myself and literally talk to myself and literally just get things out and get, yeah. th- get things said off of my chest or, you know, a, a better form <laughs> or a cooler form, I would think, would just be to literally like write poetry or, you know, listen to music. Because listening to music is already therapeutic, just instrumentals where you listen to all these different instruments and you're just lost into the, the music. That's already just like, you know, I could do that for hours I'm on the day. But when you're listening to those instrumentals and you have all these thoughts in your head and you're overthinking, your brain Mm -hmm. just naturally just clings on to the music and and here you are just freestyling in your head and you're like man like what is this it's like you almost get possessed in a sense because you'll say these things that make sense and it rhymes it's on beat and it's like and how how can i even say that on beat and i don't even i ain't even know how to put those words together myself so that's when i started writing things down that's when i started to listen to music and write 
And, you know, I didn't know I was writing music, but I'm just sitting here just like putting my thoughts on paper as it's tailored to this beat. And so that's when I started just, you know, rapping again. But at this time, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm bored. Let me just start, you know, let me, you know, it's a popularity contest at school or who could put out the best music. It was it was none of that. It was just like, this is my thoughts on paper just expressed on this beat. And so, you know, that's, I want to say, probably like a week after his funeral, I was writing and listening to music. Shame of what I became. I'm ashamed to stay the same. I've been hating this lazy game. I'm not aiming for claim of fame. I've been busting no fucking watch. You know, did that feel like a, <clears throat> did that feel like a big relief, a relief for you in a sense? I mean, that's a, a heavy enough situation that you're dealing with, but the fact that you were, you felt like you were able to, to let yourself speak through the music and then, your your expression coming through every time you listen to an instrumental was that a, a form of relief in a way? Uh, it was absolutely like an escape for me. It was like all the pressures that you know I had to deal with in real life, and I'm in another world when I'm listening to music or when I'm writing to music. It's like I'm not even really on earth dealing with all the stuff that I dealt with. You know when I'm not having this music in my ears, you know? It's like when the music in my ears, it's like a whole, like, it's it's like a barrier between the real world and the music world. So absolutely, I found relief in doing it, especially, like, saying stuff that I didn't even know I wanted to say. You know, like I said, I'm just going according to my mind. I'm not just, when I'm freestyling, I'm not just actively saying words like how I'm saying them now. It's just all in the head, so... You know, I'm just writing down with my... It's like the subconscious is speaking. It's coming from somewhere deeper. Exactly. That's why I say I feel like I'm, I'm possessed sometimes when I say some of these things mm-hmm. I say. Cause I'm like, how do I even think of that? How did it even come about? So, so yeah, and it was especially like just, you know, dealing with what I dealt with. You know, there had to been some, oh, a lot of things bottled up. So, you know, I just, it was definitely the the, the biggest relief that yeah. I could do. Because talking to people at that point in time, it was super difficult. You know, it was super difficult talking to people. You know, you know, I would, you know, consult my mother, talk to her, but it would be, mm-hmm. it would I be hard imagine. to, you know, to, to face that music and, you know, you know, look at her in her face and actually see the pain and, you know, the trauma that she's going through. And she's probably looking at it from my standpoint too. Like, you know, this boy just lost his father. And, you know, it's, 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 it, yeah, it was rough. So rather than dealing with that, I knew I had to do that, but I would rather just, you know, face myself with the music rather than, you know, um, talk to anybody about what was going on and express my emotions to them because it just was, I don't know, it felt weird to, it felt unnatural. Yeah, that's so important just to have a medium to express yourself. I know I have a problem with that myself. Like I'll shut down and bottle things up. And like I was telling you, this for me is is therapeutic to listen to people's stories, to to connect in that sense. But just the the, the fact that somebody has a medium to um, express yourself and to just to, to let go of all the emotions, I think that's important. That's a lot better and a lot healthier than just bottling it up and, um, you know, just pushing it down because that, that really does no good in the long term. Right. Right. And, you know, that's something, like I said, I knew that was a, a problem of mine anyways. And when I had my brother, you know, my blood brother pointed out, it was, you know, we had 
a lot of trauma even after that, after my uh, father passed, you know, my uncle passed, you know, not too long after him. And uh, I remember we were in the, we were in the room together and uh, I was just, you know, I was emotionless, you know, it was at that point it was just like, you know, this is just a part of life. You know, it's not like that I expected, but it's like, I can't be, uh, it's like, I'm almost numb to it now, you know, and I was close with my uncle, but it was just like, man, I just, it's just, it, it is what it is. And he, he noticed that I, I wasn't handling my emotions properly because even though I know for a fact that I'm sad and I'm grieving about it, it's just that now that my grief is like, it's a bad way to express my emotions with, with holding everything back and pretty much being emotionless. So he even told me, he was like, Hey man, you gotta, you gotta handle your emotions better. You know, it's okay to cry. And I was just like, man, I, I would, if I could, but it's just like, like, it's just like another feeling. It's just numbness now. Yeah. You plan on doing it with the music that you record? Do you, are you recording it? Do you plan like maybe to put a little something together, a compilation or a disc? Man, it's so crazy. I I got so much out. <laughs> it's on. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, I, it's only on SoundCloud though. I don't do the the whole profit thing like uh, putting it out on Apple Music because um the only reason why I do put it out and share it is because I I do have like a a certain group of people who I do share my music with and I do you know I, I stuck my neck out there and, and finally you know told them you know this is what I do and, and that's something in itself right because then you it's like you maybe for you it was like this is more for me right right and I don't really plan on blowing up or anything with it exactly exactly but it's it's it was it's a weird thing because like I said I did it back in high school man like I, that was like that was also an introduction for a lot of my friends at the time of, of me. Cause like uh, a lot of the people that know me now from then was from music. And, um, you know, they will always tell me that I'm way better than what I think I am because everybody that I let hear my music, it's always the same reaction because I, I I cringe myself when I tell people, hey man, you know I I make music here and there because you know every, like in today's time there's an oversaturation with it. Everybody is pretty much a rapper. <laughs> Everybody's gonna be talking about almost the same things. But when they hear one of my songs, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> you actually. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. I'm not on there. Just, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah. If I, you don't mind, you can always share it. You can share it with me offline. Uh, you can share it with me online, and then I can leave a link so people could check it out. I mean, I'm I'm a little curious, but it... <laughs> yeah, man, I definitely, I definitely, oh, if I well, I can, I definitely do it offline since I don't know how to do it right now. Okay, know, yeah, without messing up the flow of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, it's definitely like I said, it's it's it's. I've drawn comparisons from like the 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 weird people in hip-hop or the conscious people in hip-hop i say i definitely had uh big crit comparisons earl sweatshirt tyler the creator i've had comparisons to um pretty much like just a lot of different people you know but um yeah man but that has been that has been your your main medium to help deal with the the grief and the loss and the, and the help you during this this time in your life? Absolutely. It was starting off just getting things off my chest 
in the in a manner of like how I was dealing with my father's loss. And I actually that was my first uh, EP. I put out an EP called um, Damn, now I can't remember. Oh, the EP, <laughs> the EP before I die. And it wasn't like a whole like you know suicidal thing, but it was just like I always wanted to do music. I've always wanted to you know put something out, but I never really had a plan or wanted to you know blow up or make it a living off of it. You know, so that's why I pretty much named it the EP before I die because you know I'm I'm sharing this music on SoundCloud. It's free for anybody to see whatever. But this is for all the people who, who you know, it's for anybody who want to listen to it before, you know, this could be my one and only, but right. this is definitely one of the pieces of art that I want to leave you before I check out. Like, this is something that's been on my bucket list since a child, since hearing my first piece of music. I was like, man, I really want to do this. So You can hang your hat on that and say that this is something that I, I finally was able to pursue and, and complete. Exactly, exactly. So what turned into just like, you know, an outlet for my emotions turned into just a hobby because after a while it's just like well anything that you do you're going to get better at and you're going to you're going to start to notice it yourself because you're going to you know especially with something you can easily keep tab on like with the podcast or with music from when you're hearing yourself and then you you could reference back to it and then you can tweak it make adjustments and then you can yeah you can be your own critique your your critic Exactly. So that's exactly what started to happen, man. Like that first one after I, you know, put it out and heard it, it was, you know, beautiful lyrics and all this, but the the mixing was terrible. I'm like, oh, I hate listening to it, but I love listening to it. So next time I'll make sure that I mix it a little better. So the next time around I mixed it a little better. I was talking about, you know, different subject matter. And it was like, oh man, I kind of just love doing this now. So then I just started making it that's right as like a sport. And it was just like, okay let's see how I can you know what what would be my album what would be you know my first mixtape or album cover or what would the name be what would the concept be what would you be speaking about and then that's when I made something called uh create a wrestler <laughs> okay now you're ex- experimenting with it so it's- exactly I was just drawing things from what shaped me as a, as a child I remember getting into wrestling from being in my great-grandma's house and her be having a boyfriend and his name was Papa Charlie and he would come over <laughs> on weekends only Fridays and drop off a lot of produce a lot of fruits and vegetables and goodies and and then he'll sit down and watch Friday Night Smackdown and that's that was my introduction to wrestling man but uh I, I've always been like a wrestling fan my whole life the reason I got dreads right now is because I always wanted long hair like Shawn Michaels and Edge and Jeff Hardy Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I always wanted to you know I was watching it back in the day with uh, the Legion of Doom uh, the Junkyard Dog oh, man I, Ultimate Warrior that was my guy I was I was a bit my brother used to like Hulk Hogan and I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan yeah man that was the, the golden days of wrestling we uh, that generation all the way up to like the Stone Cold and the Rock generation that that was the mm-hmm. golden days of wrestling man so I always been a fan of that, and that was like the main thing I could naturally talk about, you know, and draw like references to when I was speaking in in terms of music. So that whole tape, that whole like album, collection of music, whatever you want to call it, was just about like certain points and moments in my life and referencing it to a certain wrestler. Like uh, I remember one line was um, 
I take a beating, taking a beating from life, but just pretty much doing it with a smile on your face, like, you know, or, 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 you know, putting on a face for certain people, even though, you know, this isn't what you really are, you know, but, uh, yeah, I drew reference to all sorts of wrestlers, like, uh, Mr. Perfect. Yes. You know how he's perfect for everybody outside the ring, but uh, you know he he ended up like his real life, his real life story. You know he ended up like overdosing on drugs or whatever. But that it's just, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, he overdosed on uh cocaine. Oh wow! Like, so it was a complete contrast to what he was playing in the ring. Exactly, exactly. So you know it would just be different wrestlers that I'd be referenced to, and it would it would correlate to my life and. uh yeah, that, so it, that would be that was my first concept album, and after that it was like, man, you know, and I'll show that to different people, and that would be like, yo, you are doing it, you know, you mm-hmm. are, you should be actually on Stick a bigger, with it. yeah, you should be on a bigger scale, or actually, you know, um, like you said, stick with it and and and, and bet on yourself, buy a better microphone, you know, go ahead and and, and download this software from uh from Logic Pro that costs a lot of money because you're gonna benefit from it. And, yeah, you think sure. of it as a you can you can consider it an investment. And right. especially because it's something that you enjoy and naturally you you get something out of it. It's not like a, a um it's not like a task or you gotta force yourself to do it. So naturally you're gonna want to do it anyways. And with that practice comes you polishing up your craft and and um yeah you you becoming better at it with time. Yeah, man. So, you know, and that was um like I I, I tried to, uh, and I kept up with the, a sense of um improvement with that. Like it's like a that creator wrestler. It's like a, a a series. I've done one, and I've done two, and I and, and I'm trying to crank out a three sooner or later. But you know, hearing the difference of one and two, it's like oh man, you can definitely hear the progression. It's just the longer you do something, you're gonna get better at. That's but, right. Like, it's it's a it's a um, an amazing journey to see from where I started it to where I am now. That's good to hear that you even found um, relief and you found a, a a way that you can deal with uh, your loss that you had to experience recently. If you want to share that SoundCloud information, and then I'll put it in the description box so anybody listening, if they if they're into hip hop and they want to lend an ear and see what you have going on, then that that's cool. Yeah, I'm- man, I got to do a way better. Uh, better job at <laughs> putting all my stuff in the right places it's scattered around but i know for a fact one of them one of the main pages that i do post on is just uh soundcloud yes sir it was um chris vardaman just my first and last name uh it's a weird it's a weird last name but vardaman v as in vanilla a r d a m a n okay boom there it is right there yeah man I, you have anything else speaking of speaking of that but anything else you're involved with i know you you said you have a podcast are you doing that regular regularly still yeah man i actually uh i think i'm a uh, episode should be posting today i post usually on uh, every tuesday uh, i found a okay weird, you're active with it yeah man it's, i found that weird little scheduling by accident you know i never really wanted to come out and say here i'm a post on every thursday or every whatever it's just kind of whatever day it fell on and for some mm-hmm. reason i've been real free on the monday and then i'll end up posting on the next day so that's the get right for the week <laughs> oh yeah man. i can't stop it it, it kind of felt like that man so uh yeah that, that i um i work on a podcast it's called straight talk 
like straight bullets, but just straight talk. Straight bullets, straight talk. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's just a podcast about a college dropout who talks about any and everything, man. You know, there's no certain All topic right. of the hour, just, you know, going on ranting about certain stuff, speaking mm. my mind about certain things. Um, I got like a, a petition part of the pod where I just act as if I, I'm starting to petition about something that I really want to be passed and, you know, want the people to get behind. And I'll do certain stuff like um, read advice, help from Reddit, as if I'm answering the advice from myself. But uh, just look everything. Mm, okay, right. Like like I was telling you in the beginning, I really ap- appreciate when, when people share something personal, something um, real sensitive about themselves. So right now, just thank you for wanting to be a part of the show and then on top of that showing some sharing something with the listeners as far as you losing someone so close and how you were able to you know slow it, it's a process i mean that 2019 that's very recent but you're you're dealing with it you're working through it and you found um your joy and you found a bit of happiness and and some a drive back in you through music so that that's a that's a beautiful thing so i want to just first first of all just thank you for wanting to get on the platform and share that with uh, all of us today. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. I, I want to thank you for giving people like me a voice to even, you know, speak on certain things and, and, and you know, normal people, like everyday people with everyday stories. Yes, like, sir. I, 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 that is so important what you're doing, man, because a lot of times in these spaces, you, a lot of people only want to hear from people that are already established, but, Man, the people that you don't know, their stories are just as important or if not more important than the stories that you hear from the people that you already know. Because who knows, somebody like me or somebody like you, the story isn't over yet. You know, I I, I, mm-hmm. I can definitely, definitely gauge success is going to come from the I, I'm only speaking for the both of us, man. I definitely know right. for a fact that you're on your way to some bigger success and bigger things. So like I said, I wanna appreciate that man. I, I really want to thank you for this, man. Appreciate this. It's like a therapy session of my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise. And I appreciate I respect what you're doing. I respect how you were able to get through those college years the way that you did and, and embrace that's that's what that's another thing that stuck out and I said that once, but and I asked you this in the beginning, did you see it as a, a handicap or did you see it as something that was beneficial? But when you changed universities or colleges and you ended up in, I think you said it was Alabama and you were by yourself, you found yourself by yourself again. I mean, it could have been one of those things where it's either fight or flight. And they're like, you know what? This ain't for me. I'm not dealing with this again. I'm getting the hell out of here. But you... Right. Went ahead and embraced it, and then that was the time when you started to uh, use that that alone time, and you started to use it to benefit yourself and to do things that, if it was study the nutrition the way that you did, because it seemed like every time you applied yourself, when you actually applied yourself to the schoolwork, you were you were passing it with flying colors. So, I mean, that was there. It was just the fact that if you were actually passionate about what it was you were you know putting in front of you right and it seems like once you do have something that you are passionate about you're a go-getter and you're going to make it happen one way or the other right you know and that should be the way for everybody man they don't don't you know put yourself in the box or subject yourself to whatever you think it is you want to do maybe it's maybe for other people's uh approval or maybe it's because you want to you know 
I don't know, but just make sure the most important thing is do what you are passionate about. And it could be something that doesn't generate a lot of income. If you're, if you're passionate about it, one way or another, your blessings is going to find you. So just stick with it and, and, and please don't give up on whatever it is you really want to do. Mm, you already took it in that direction because I was just going to ask you if there was something you would like to leave people off with. And also, like, say you're still dealing with it in your own way, but say a- anything you would you would have to say about somebody who recently lost a loved one and um, any kind of words or or something that I know just having a medium in general to have an outlet and express yourself and to not bottle up so much of our emotion and feelings. But if there's anything you can tell us, tell or relate to somebody out there that may, may be going through something as far as losing someone that's close to them. Oh uh, yeah. That is, I mean, it's life. You can't predict it on when it's going to happen to anybody. I mean, that's just one of those, that's one of those things that you don't have control over. So, already you can't you know put too much on yourself from from that stance as it is you know uh, i remember struggling a little bit you know from kind of like reflecting on man i wonder if i really could have got him to go to the hospital that night but at the same time that was you know uh, there was only a certain part that was in my control i laid out that you know that that offering that help but you know due to his own, you know, pride and, and demand, he said, you know, it, there was nothing that he wanted to do about it, just, you know, sleep it off. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you got to process it with just something that is going to happen one way or another. But with everything in life, with any loss, with any traumatic event, with any bad thing that happens to you, unless you are yourself dying from it, you're going to use it as a, a, a stepping stone and a situation to grow from. You know, my father passing away was super unfortunate, but at the end of the day, it's only going to make me more of a man. You know, it, it, it's, it's going to speed up the process of me uh, uh, maturing more than how it would have been if he was still here. You know, I probably would have still been, you know, and holding on his hand about certain things in life, but now I'm figuring out things fairly fast on my own and uh you know that's something that uh, that's one thing to hang my hat on to be proud of myself about and for somebody who has low self-esteem low confidence who don't really pat himself on the back a lot that's one thing that i do take my time to just you know sit back and say man you know you're doing a real good job on you know continuing this life thing uh you know without your dad you know this is there's there's a a bad part where it could have got there, but you you're not in that part. So, you know, just use it to keep growing and use it to your advantage. And everybody's story is not over. So, you know, the end of the That's end right. of the book and the That's end of the right. page could be something real special. You just got to get there. So, keep going, man. And you know, it it's also like you had the the last years of his life. He had to experience and enjoy with you his son and then you said it was during those times that it was like you you two were best friends and it was there wasn't a day that went by where you two weren't hanging out spending time with each other and and um building and that's a beautiful thing right there that that his last years were spent with his son bonding in in a in a real way right right i mean for me that's that's a that's a good end of the book you know because it could have went another way you know so yeah Here's here's one um 
just just to leave off on on a good note, just shooting from the hip, Chris, give me give me three things today. I know it's early over there, but three things today that you're thankful for. Oh man, three things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a platform like this to express myself on, and this could be reaching to the right people, and uh, whoever may need to hear something like this may hear it and uh it could alter you know a decision it could you know uh make it for uh, make whatever decision they're about to make for the better it could benefit them so i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for that possibility i'm also thankful for i mean it's a nice day right now (laughs) it is yeah small or tall (laughs) yeah you know it's, it's pretty nice right now and uh you know it's not like an asteroid coming to hit Earth, or it's not like I don't have any of my senses working. I'm breathing, I'm walking, I can hear, I can see, I can smell. So I'm thankful for all of that. But most importantly, the last thing I'm thankful for is like the story getting able to continue. Like just me writing another day in the book. That's right. So uh, you know, I'm 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 interested and in, in excited to see where I'm about to go in life and. Years prior, I was not excited and interested to see where I'm about to be in life. So, you know, I'm ex- I'm, I'm very thankful that now I have a, a a different outlook on life to where I'm excited for whatever is to come, good or bad. Mm. And that right there, that is a beautiful thing in itself. Chris, thank you so much for, for your time, your story. Man, I really, really appreciate it. And I know you have nothing but good things. Down the line, waiting for you. You just gotta go get them. Oh yes, sir. I, I, that's that's the that's the main thing. That's the main thing. I surely appreciate you for having me on, though, man. All right, right on. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed the stories as much as I've had. Being able to connect with everybody who's been a part of the show so far and share their stories. Because this show is about the human experience and everything that it involves. The struggle, the pain, the hurt, the trials and tribulations that we all face in our own unique way. But not only that, it's about triumph, success, victories, overcoming, beating the odds, creating a better tomorrow. And Chris falls in that category from struggling as a young man trying to navigate through life and trying to figure out what it is he wants to do, what he's passionate about, and not faking the funk and doing it just for the sake of doing it. That, I can respect. It seemed like every time he applied himself, he was passing with flying colors. Chris had to deal with the loss of his father. And it's crazy to think that for the majority of his life, for so long, him and his father had a disconnection. There was silence. But those last few years, They came together. There was a bond, a strong bond from what it sounded like that they formed. And that's something I'm sure Chris can appreciate. He could cherish. And those memories are something that are going to last him a lifetime. That's a beautiful thing. Knowing that the last few years of his father's life, he was able to enjoy it with his son in a genuine and real way. Chris also found music, poetry, expressing himself over instrumentals a way to cope with the loss of his father it was therapy for him in a sense 
and you can check out his music on SoundCloud. I'll be leaving a link in the description box so you can so you can check out what he's doing and give him an ear. Thank you again for sharing your story with us. I wish you all the success with whatever it is you go after. Keep at it and stay at it. In my eyes, you are a giant amongst us. And I'd like to give a special shout out to Fry for always reaching out to me and and giving some good input and feedback and creative ways to help grow the show. And also with leaving names and links with people that I should try hooking up with and people that are possibly a good fit for the show. Appreciate that. You can always check him out on YouTube. I'll leave a link to his YouTube channel and what he's doing in the description box so you can so you can listen to his music. And if you play the guitar, he can help develop that magic strum that you've always wanted. And a big thank you to Pepper Ann. She's been very helpful with sharing contacts and helping to connect me with people who she's come across, people that she knows and she's spoken with who have interesting stories and who knows, hopefully in the near future, we can link up, connect and share their story. And one more big thank you to Momozi, my Nalibling. Thank you so much for always being supportive and sharing these stories with your circle and people that you know. I really do appreciate that. And thanks to all the listeners, everybody from all corners of the globe. Thank you for tuning in. Leave a review, give a rating, share it with your neighbor. That review or that rating could be good or bad. It's all good with me. You can also check us out on Instagram. I've recently started up a profile so you can shoot the breeze with me there, share your thoughts, let me know what you think about the show, or just connect either in any way. And before we check out, if you like to be a part of the show to share your story, or even a story of someone in your life that has impacted you in a positive way, you can always reach out to me via email, and I'd be happy to connect. Until next time, and very soon, peace. Looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no sign since. 